0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Confluence Cast presented by Columbus Underground. We are a weekly Columbus-centric podcast focusing on the civics, lifestyle, entertainment, and people of our city. I'm your host, Tim Fulton. This week, we're talking about young professionals in Columbus, specifically the Create Columbus Commission, The group was originally chartered by Mayor Coleman 10 years ago to provide guidance on how to attract and retain young professionals to Columbus. Their grant program is in full swing for the year right now, with opportunities for social enterprise organizations, ideas, and artists to get monies to see their concepts come to fruition. I spoke with the Commission Chair, Jordan Davis, about the grant program and the importance of the Commission. We also touched on why young professionals need and deserve a seat at the table and why Columbus doesn't need another new YP group. At the end of the episode, I have a special treat for you. good friend of mine, Travis Irvine, will be in town this week to record a comedy album with local comedy stalwart Dustin Meadows. On the occasion of those shows, we're wrapping up this week with a piece by Travis about Columbus performed in Chicago. Check out Travis and Dustin's show this Thursday and Friday at Mad Lab. A link for tickets is in the show notes. You can get more information on what we discussed today in the show notes for this episode at TheConfluenceCast.com. Also, The Confluence Cast is now on Patreon. Find out how to support this podcast on our website, TheConfluenceCast.com, or at Patreon.com Confluence. The Confluence Cast is sponsored by Kepri a full-service web and mobile development company specializing in design and programming services. Defined through skill and innovation, Kepri works with their clients to create user-centric technology-based products that innovate. Kepri provides complete technology solutions with a solid strategy to meet your goals and grow your brand. See examples of their work and explore what Kepri can do for you at Kepri.com. Enjoy the interview. Sitting down here with Jordan Davis, the chair of the Create Columbus Commission, the mayor and president of city council's Young Professionals Commission. Jordan also happens to be the director of Smart City Strategy and Collaboration for the Columbus Partnership. And I'll go ahead and get my full disclosure out of the way at the beginning of the episode. I also sit on the Create Columbus Commission as the vice chair immediately adjacent to Jordan. Mm -hmm. Jordan, how are you?
1: i'm great Fulton. how are you
0: i'm doing well i'm doing well we're sitting down here on the occasion of the create columbus grants application process being open trying to get the word out about those grants becoming available to people Mm -hmm. for those that aren't aware first of all let's just sort of go over what is the create columbus commission
1: sure so the Create columbus commission as you said is appointed by the mayor and council president And it is a board of 33 young professionals that are charged with helping to answer the question, how do we attract and retain young professionals in Columbus? And we accomplish our work in two primary ways. One is to serve as a a think tank to identify priority issues, develop an agenda, policy recommendations, to convene conversations between decision makers and our peer group to change people's mind and inform better decision making at the leadership level of the community mm-hmm. and then the second is and um, what we're here to talk about today is the grant making function of our organization in which we award up to about $80,000 a year in micro grants uh, up to $10,000 for entrepreneurial nonprofits or young entrepreneurs that are doing things that improve the quality of life for young professionals in Columbus.
0: Talk about some of the organizations that have received grants in the past.
1: Mm-hmm. We've awarded more than a quarter of a million dollars to date um, over the past four or five years. And we've funded projects that range in type and scope and all types of different organizational profiles. Some of my favorite include Bessa, who we funded in, I believe, four years ago. They were looking for seed funding for an idea that they had to engage young professionals and corporate companies into volunteering. And that grant, while small at the time, was the seed fund that allowed them to try out a new value proposition to offer what has now become their leading customer base and has essentially grown their organization to what it is today, which is a driving force for organizing community service for companies in the town and host fundraisers and and drives for different community needs. Another one that I think is a really big success story is uh, Columbus Soup. So Columbus Soup is now a quarterly um, event in which young professionals and others around the community of of any age, frankly, are convened around um, a social enterprise of focus, and the cost for those dinners help fund those nonprofits every quarter. And we were able to give the funding for them to host their first one to be able to introduce themselves to early adopters and to people that now go quarterly and they've raised, you know, $50,000 plus for area organizations uh, around the city, which is a huge, I think, value proposition of what the money can do in both of those instances in Mm -hmm. which we can help people who have good ideas about a type of um, social enterprise that they want to create. And we can help be that you know, springboard for you to try something out and, and to get it started. Another type of program that we fund are um, in research reports or types of thinking about big issues. So we've funded a transit study that was done by Forge Columbus and authored by J.M. Rayburn, and uh, has gone gotten great circulation among the leadership communities in town to think differently about what transportation could look like now and in the future in Columbus, and it's been um, referenced in many of the work of NextGen and some of the other Connect Columbus efforts, and so we're really... We're proud to partner on that as a a grant funder. We also did work with Transit Columbus specifically, and we funded uh, them twice in our grant history in which they've looked at different projects and thinking about how could routes be different for buses or how could the transportation experience be improved? Mm -hmm. Um, How can neighborhood crosswalks be more pedestrian friendly with cross the sea? So we've done several different activities in the transportation space, which were more thought leadership oriented rather than event oriented or you know, organizational oriented. We also have funded some artists in the past um, to do interesting installations or different types of uh, programs that bring art to life in Columbus, making it more of a vibrant and pulsating community urban core, um, which we enjoy uh, partnering with the local creatives in town. And then we've had a history of, of funding things that spur entrepreneurship, whether it's for um, financial literacy and incubator or accelerator programs, things that get people prepared to take on uh, a new business or take on a new path in life um, that requires them to think differently about um, their financial prosperity.
0: And we should say, again, the grants are anything from, you know, $500 up to Mm $10,000. Yep. They should... Affect the young professional community in Columbus. That's sort of the biggest requirement. I think we've tried to align ourselves a little bit more as of late to sort of come under our initiative areas, Mm -hmm. which we'll talk a little bit about here in a minute. And also, the big thing is the person or organization applying for it doesn't necessarily have to be a nonprofit, but they certainly do need to have a fiscal sponsor this can't be a for-profit endeavor for them they can't they don't get to take a cut the common term that i see is that it can't inure to the benefit of any private individual which is why we require that letters of intent are due on april 7th which is coming up super fast it's this upcoming friday Mm -hmm. Um, but that's just the letter of intent just sort of outlining hey, here's my idea. What do you think? Our intention then is to engage all of those people that submit letters of intent, especially those that frankly have good ideas Mm -hmm. and sort of talk it through, flesh it out, see whether it's a viable thing because we want to be partners along that path, both up to making the grant and then also implementing it. and and doing it.
1: And so when someone submits a letter of intent, what happens is it goes to uh, our grants committee, which is a committee of six people that will look at the uh, letters of intents that are submitted. And this evaluation process is done on the intention of the idea more than Mm -hmm. anything. So it's not about...
0: It's not even about viability at that point.
1: Not at that point. It's who's got the best idea to make the biggest difference and provide the greatest ROI, Mm -hmm. uh, for our investment. And if you can prove that to us in your letter of intent, then we take it to the next phase, which is where we'll work with you and match you up with one of the committee members to go deep on what your application looks like for you to be in the best and most competitive situation for those dollars. And that's where we'll be ensuring that you know how to answer the questions about your budget and you've got the right, if you need to be matched up with a fiscal sponsor we could make some introductions for you to Mm -hmm. find someone that endorses your idea things like that so at this stage it's it's a low risk situation it's something where we want people to really put their best ideas out there so that we can be a part of your success
0: absolutely and we should say in terms of the timeline you know the month of april is sort of vetting those letters and then the final grant applications aren't actually due until mid-May. And then we notify in July and then those funds are distributed in September just in order to think about timeline. Yep. It's important to note these aren't operational funds. These aren't meant to simply continue an organization. Right. We do give some preference to projects even sort of just stand on their own a yep. little bit. I think that Columbus Soup and BESA are great examples of things that we sort of st- helped start mm-hmm. and then they were able to flourish on their own. Mm-hmm. And so we, frankly, put our cap on that a little bit.
1: Yeah, we look for sustainability right. in when we look at the final selection. So the track record that fiduciary sponsor has mm-hmm. or the actual you know, entrepreneur um, if that is, in fact, the relationship that ends up being applied for. But if you're a nonprofit, the track record that you've struck there as mm-hmm. well. And then we are looking at matching funds. So are we the only funder? Are there other funds? Are there, is there other activity that's complementary to this that's funded separately? And we mm-hmm. want to know that we're not the only ones on the line for this, but that there are others who are putting their skin in the game to help the program be successful as well. And we think that's been a recipe for success of the programs who have actually continued on um, beyond our initial funding. Great. But I should say to that, if it is a one-time program, that's also okay. Okay. So it doesn't have to be something that you are going to plan to do, you know, in perpetuity, but it's something that you want to do this year because it's an anniversary of something or it's the one type of celebration of a cause that... Mm -hmm. One-time offer are not bad opportunities. One-time art installations are not, you know, bad investments for us either if the ROI is, in fact, makes a difference in the lives and experiences of young professionals.
0: Absolutely. Let's talk through some of the priorities that the commission has identified. I'm just going to rattle them off here real quick and then we'll go through one by one. Improve financial health and wellness of young professionals, decrease dependency on personal vehicles, amplify the urban pulse and serve as co-creators. Yep. Um, I think we've said, actually, and this is simply a reiteration of what I've said before, we've said that it would be nice if the grant's, that we are funding fall under the purview of of those initiatives they don't necessarily have to but they certainly will get some some preference i remember in the past we've certainly had discussions about like hey none of these grants address transit we need Mm -hmm. to make sure that we're spreading the love around among our initiatives Mm -hmm. um let's talk through them talk about uh improving financial health and wellness and sort of how you view the commission's role in that?
1: Yeah. So the improvement of financial health and wellness really goes to two things. One is we recognize that there is a very common situation that many young pre- professionals face, which is uh, crippling student loan debt. And mm-hmm. often the longer you carry student loan debt, the less savings that you're accruing. Uh, additionally, uh, student loan debt is symptomatic of additional credit that people take on. And so we recognize that if we can lower the burden of student loan debt and relieve that burden faster, that equates to greater financial prosperity and financial wellness for people in the long run. And so we are looking for localized solutions to get at that problem. So we recognize that this is a big complex issue at a national level and extremely institutional as you think about higher ed funding and tuition. But and scholarships, obviously, of creating opportunity to get to college in the first place. But mm-hmm. we do believe that the debt that has been inherited by the systems of the and that's this generation is carrying can be helped. So, whether that's through innovative financing for homes, whether that's personal finan- financial education, whether it's studies about what the current situation is or um, looking at different benchmarks potentially even thinking about mentorship for the next generation of how to alleviate that or Mm -hmm. a PR campaign or communications efforts. Anything that goes to bringing awareness, solving the problem, or educating to avoid the problem are interesting to us. Uh, The second component of that one is around professional development that enables people to make a living. Um, So we recognize that Starting a business is attractive to younger generations because the risk aversion is a little um, more willing and mm-hmm. able because you're not you don't have a family and you're likely um, don't have a lot of dependents attached to you. So we want to encourage that. If you want to start a business, how what what can we do um, to help you and what can we do to help feed the ecosystem that encourages that to be possible mm-hmm. for young professionals. Furthermore, we want to see that people can. Um, achieve their highest ambition in Columbus because if you can likely that means you're um, getting into new positions and you're increasing the your wealth accumulation and making a life for yourself and putting roots here and so um, things that help people make smarter decisions about their career path and enables them to take risks um, in their professional future we think will equate to more prosperous financial health in the long term so those types of programs activities that type of stuff's very interesting as well.
0: While it does address the uh, entrepreneurial issue in helping to relieve student debt, because I think that's also connected, yep. people that come out mm-hmm. with a whole lot of debt are less likely, m- more go. inclined yep. to get a job because it's yep. this chain that's that's carrying behind them. Yep. Why, though? It, and I've challenged you on this in the past. Mm-hmm. Why is student debt a city issue?
1: Sure. So it's a city issue because if young professionals are their monthly budget, so say your monthly budget, um, you make $3,000 a month, and your payment of student loan debt is $500 a month. That takes away your ability to save for a down payment of a home, Mm -hmm. which being able to own a home is significant, makes a significant, sorry, a young professional's ability to own a home makes a significant impact on the economic development of a neighborhood Mm -hmm. or of the city because they're more likely to stay, so therefore we're creating stickiness for a talent and for a worker, um, for a resident that grows our population. Mm-hmm. Two, if you own the home, you're more likely to take more care of it, um, to be more um, concerned and engaged in your neighborhood, um, which usually equates to better safety, better schools, et cetera. So getting young professionals, committing to living here has has great benefits. And so if we can free up that capital Hopefully that goes into savings um, for that. It could also go into savings for retirement, which we know that the greatest wealth accumulation is achieved within your 20s and 30s Mm -hmm. just based off of you put it in there, it stays longer, the interest rates, all that kind of stuff. Right. If you're not if you are scraping to get by to pay for rent and to pay for your car payment and all these things and don't have the money to invest in your retirement, we're setting ourselves up to have greater dependency on public dollars later in life when people haven't saved appropriately for retirement and potentially you don't have other types of federal aid at that point in time. And so the other aspect of it, which I think is really interesting to think about, which could be an interesting, if you've got ideas about it for a letter of intent is around um, housing and cost of living so Mm -hmm. we are thinking a lot about our neighborhoods because of our mayor's leadership and prioritization of neighborhoods and we're recognizing that there is this urbanization trend occurring both by baby boomers and millennials and the next generation to come which i believe is generation z Mm -hmm. and so as we're creating density in the more desirable neighborhoods like the short north or downtown and German village, et cetera, the price for rent is, is going up. Right. And as the price for rent goes up and the desirable places where young professionals want to live. And frankly, the talent pool that makes these places most interesting, Mm -hmm. um, we're putting people in even greater burdensome positions, um, to be able to have a quality of life that they desire, that makes it worth living in Columbus for. Right. Um, And so how can we better balance that scale? How can we better control the affordability that is here? And so we can control affordability in multiple ways. We can manage the burden of debt in multiple ways. You can manage it by tackling the debt itself or Mm -hmm. tackling the other costs that might strap the monthly budget because accommodating for the fact that a portion of it has to go to to debt.
0: Right. I think that actually... Dovetails well into amplifying the urban pulse. Sure. Talk about why that's a priority and what what can happen there.
1: Um, so I mentioned earlier that our primary question to answer is how do we attract and retain young professionals in Columbus and across the country cities are racing to compete for talent Mm -hmm. especially young talent because young talent has more on-demand skills Um, whether it's in IT or in design or in um, a variety of other um, new skills and new software that people know how to manage and navigate there's not enough skilled workers for these trades Mm -hmm. and um, as a result the factor of place is playing into decisions about what jobs young people take. So if you have a choice to go to San Francisco to work for a company or Austin to work for a company or Columbus to go to a company, how do you make your decision? Do you make it based off of weather? Maybe you go to Austin. Do you make it based off of the lifestyle and the culture? Maybe you go to San Francisco. Mm -hmm. Do you make it based off of cost of living? probably go to Columbus, but at the end of the day, we have to be able to provide a full package of options mm-hmm. and we have to be able to provide an urban experience that people want and people crave. And by doing that, we think we can create greater ROI and the retention of young professionals as well as the attraction of young professionals. And when we've unpacked that to better understand what does it mean to want to live in a city and what's the experience, the desired city experience that you want. We actually partnered with Lextant which is a global uh, consumer research company and MBBJ, which is a worldwide architecture firm to mm-hmm. help us facilitate a series of conversations around the community to understand what young professionals want so that it's so easy to say, well, yeah, we want a cool city. Well, a cool city means something different to everybody, right? specifically aesthetically, let alone like experientially, right? Right. (laughs) People have all types of preferences. And what we found through that is that what people are really looking for is a sense of local, a sense of uniqueness, a sense of um, community collaboration, community engagement, openness, and accessibility. And accessibility from movement to cost to um, experiential. And I think what was helpful in doing that is that we were able to unpack a little bit about further about what the tactical type solutions we might want to fund the specific things yeah right exactly so we know that public art helps create place we don't have a lot of public art in columbus and we found through the Lexington study that people really want local they want uniqueness well nothing creates uniqueness more than a -a one-of-a-kind mural in a neighborhood right and so how do we facilitate more public art in our neighborhoods. And I think that is an interesting um, priority for us from a policy standpoint, as well as from a funding standpoint, which is really cool. Um, The second is how do we create an environment that has more local businesses that are collaborating together, but also thriving in our neighborhoods? Mm -hmm. So if I think about the neighborhoods that we might know, like Short North or Downtown, those are established neighborhoods which are growing and the populations are changing and it's, they're becoming neighborhoods as well as commercial centers. Mm -hmm. But you've got emerging neighborhoods like Franklinton and Old Town East or the Near East side that have a lot of culture and history in them, but they really haven't come alive through local businesses or local establishments.
0: Or aren't currently alive with them, right?
1: Right, exactly. And so how do we f- help encourage that type of behavior, whether that's through training or specific attraction activities that neighborhood organizations could do? We funded one last year where the Franklinton um, Business Association actually hired a a communications firm in the neighborhood to help create messaging to young entrepreneurs and advertise the open spaces and the affordable rates for office space or storefronts so that they could attract businesses to the neighborhood. Those Mm -hmm. types of things are really interesting, as well as anything that is done that encourages local business collaborations for the good of the city. We recognize that, um, People are attracted to social enterprise and things that are giving back to the community. We heard that time and time again in our focus groups that we did. That young professionals are attracted to when Mikey's and an object and table do a collaboration and give the donations to a local nonprofit. You know that's really attractive. So, are there other social enterprise type activities that can be done in these neighborhoods? We funded Brioso that did um, an interesting workforce training program for foster kids mm-hmm. and. Um, taught them how to become baristas and create a living for themselves. Those are the things that really give people a sense of place, a sense of purpose, a sense of community. And so the more we can encourage that behavior as well, we think it makes a difference.
0: Absolutely. And let's rattle quickly through dependency on personal vehicles.
1: Yeah. So this is a huge one, um, but it is so big and so uh, relevant to the community conversation right now. It's hard for any single demographic to have a A unique voice in it, but we're very Mm -hmm. supportive of what's going on in the community from Smart Columbus winning the Smart Columbus Mm grants and all the effort and the vision that the mayor has um, to create opportunity neighborhoods and um, form ladders of opportunity to help neighborhoods like Linden um, to bring self-driving cars. We think that um, in a community like Columbus, you can't depend on one mode um, to solve all problems. And Mm so the idea that we could have multiple different modes of transportation, um, In this ecosystem to get around and to eliminate the need to have to own a car and we can use our time differently getting around place to place is extremely attractive Um, it puts us in a very competitive position we think against other cities it demonstrates that we're ahead of the curve we're innovative we're open we're smart all things that we believe we are and it actually puts it to practice so we're very supportive of that very encouraged of that and would welcome ideas um, where people are aligning with that and um, thinking of other new Solutions to um, provide people alternatives to uh, paying for a car every day.
0: Absolutely, and last but not least, serve as co-creators.
1: Yeah. So that really is so. So the priority to serve as co-creators is probably our mantra of the Create Columbus Commission mm-hmm. of everything we do. The notion of a co-creator is not to be. Necessarily thought leaders, but to be thought partners, mm-hmm. and how well, do just
0: basically have a seat at the table?
1: Exactly, absolutely, and. It's not about training young people to be qualified to sit with more seasoned and experienced people. Mm-hmm. It's really This a,
0: isn't mentorship. This, no, this part, right? No,
1: not at all. It's about recognizing the talent that does exist in these younger generations, which the millennial generation is the most educated in history. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot that they have to offer to the decision making and to the planning and to the economic contribution of the growth that's occurring in this city. And so how do we open those doors a little bit more? How do we widen that circle? How do we expand that table and add a new leaf to it, you know, and add more young people to the table? So we're looking for um, efforts that nonprofits are doing that they're inviting young people as equals to be a part of their work. Mm -hmm. And it's not about creating young professional groups in nonprofits. We're not looking to silo ourselves even further.
0: That's fallen off a little bit. Right. What I mean, mean, they certainly still exist, but I remember a time, I think around about the time both of us joined the commission, mm-hmm. where it was like, everybody had a YP group, United yes. Way, the Wexner Center, who I worked for yes. at the time. The museum had mm-hmm. a young professionals group. Mm-hmm. And I think those groups certainly still exist, but it's not like, oh, we have to do this. Right. Like, we have to have a Twitter feed. Right. You know, it's right. not. I totally respect the intention of it. Yes. I don't know if the purpose of it was thought out enough.
1: Yeah. I think it's a it's a misguided belief that people think that this generation is engaged by the fact that they're young. Right. <laughs> and people Or think, engaged
0: by the fact that they're engaged. Right. Like that, hey, I asked you. So yes. I did I did my part.
1: Right. Exactly. And if you think about it, a lot of those strategies were are done. As an attempt to communicate to a demographic that communicates differently. Mm-hmm. And I think what you're starting to recognize, especially as the demographic ages, is it's not about like siloing us, it's about changing the experience. Mm-hmm. And how can things become more experiential? And so, new engagement tactics that actually bring people together rather than silo them off is really um, key. So, approachable things that, you know, we're not trying to create a whole bunch of new networking stuff. That's right. not where substance is achieved. Um, we want substance to be achieved in anything that we fund. And so we're looking for really out-of-the-box ways in which we're thinking differently about how we bring people together of different ages.
0: Right. And not to criticize it too much more, but I, it's almost as though an organization would say, and this could be any organization, would say, we need to be more diverse. Let's have this racial group come into the room Mm -hmm. um but we're not going to integrate them into the rest of what we do we're just going to bring them in so that we we can say that we've engaged them right yeah
1: which is interesting, and you think about, and this is probably going on a tangent, but it's interesting when you think about it from a communications angle because communications has focused so much on micro targeting mm-hmm. and micro communicating. It's kind of done it in like a civic infrastructure way. These young professional groups, it's like micro targeting. Mm-hmm. But I think I've been a part of the Pazuti Collection as a young donor,
0: mm-hmm. right? So
1: my donor which is a
0: similar group.
1: It's similar, and I am a, a younger donor, therefore my. Giving capacity is much lower. Right. Um, but they formed what's called the pace setters, and intentionally, and we've had multiple meetings about this because the collection was trying to force us to position ourselves as a young professionals group. Mm-hmm. And this group was extremely against that because mm-hmm. they while we were younger, we didn't want to be tagged as young and therefore unqualified to sit at the big kids' table. Right. It was more of saying we are emerging art collectors that are very interested in this, but we're not quite at your level. But we're we're new to this. There's nothing wrong with us. right, Right, exactly. And this newness to it, this rookie dynamic to us is true for all ages. Art Mm -hmm. collecting is not something that, well, if you didn't collect at 20, then you can't collect at 50, right? Right. And so we found a unique angle that saying this is how with something new you can attach to younger but you can also attach to older and why can't this be a force that brings people together why can't it be looked at as an equalizer in a commonality and i think that that's we're embarking on this new way of um organizing but i think that those are the types of things we're interested in like what new affinities are we creating that bring people together across demographics
0: To phrase it another way, it's an entryway rather than a a status.
1: Right, exactly.
0: Before we wrap up, I want to talk about the visionary award mm-hmm. that we do each quarter. Mm-hmm. Give us give us the rundown on that.
1: Yeah, so we started um, at the beginning of 2016 a partnership with Columbus City Council to recognize. One pioneering visionary um, young professional in the community so that we could uplift their profile and Mm -hmm. get them exposed to the political policy makers of our community. And
0: the profiles of young professionals in general. In general. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: And you know, one of the kind of self-determinations we've taken on is who can we find that's been kind of hiding in the shadows, doing remarkable things, outstanding things that just doesn't get the recognition they deserve. Mm -hmm. And, We do this quarterly, and a different council member recognizes them. I think one of the great examples of why this matters is in quarter three, so in the fall of last year, we recognized Dr. Chanel Jones, who is one of the youngest faculty members at Ohio Dominican and is taking on criminal justice reform and was doing a lot behind the scenes in organizing the community for conversations around Black Lives Matter and some of the community relations strife that was occurring between police. And the African-American community. And she is so sophisticated in her thinking. She's so mature in her ability to convene and to guide conversations productively Mm -hmm. rather than, you know, just protesting and and making noise. She was kind of doing it silently to really make a change. Mm -hmm. And we knew her, a few commissioners knew her, and we recognized her, and we were able to introduce her to the mayor, and the mayor had never heard of her, never met her, and was blown away with her resume and credentials, and ended up asking her to a one-on-one meeting, and empowering her to take on um, different things, and to look at, and to report back to him, and on things going on in the community, and they formed a relationship, and I think that is what we want right if we can put great young people in front of our decision makers and they can say wow i didn't know we had this talent here let me help you and let you help me Mm -hmm. make better decisions and simultaneously i'm giving you new opportunities i'm giving you new exposure i'm connecting you with people i'm expanding your your knowledge your mind of what's going on in the community that is a win and that's where young people can really create value and we want to be able to do that. And so I think we would love to know about every young professional that someone sees, knows, works with, interacts with that they think is doing something remarkable and something that's really creating ROI for our community that we need to recognize put it on our radar we've got a way on the website that people can quickly send us their name and a little bit of information about them we can reach out to them or learn more meet them but we definitely and within just our organization do not know every young professional doing cool stuff right um and And outstanding things. So please share that with us. And it doesn't need to be just in Columbus. It could be somebody, you know, that lives here, but is spending most of their time, you know, in another city. But if they're doing something remarkable, that's really changing communities and the future. We want to hear about it and we want to bring the attention on them.
0: Absolutely. And there are links to all the organizations that we discussed, the initiatives, the grant program, especially, and the co-creator initiative in the show notes for this episode. Mm One last thing, just give a brief, you know, what's your background? How did you get here, both with the commission and in your role with the partnership and the Smart Cities Initiative?
1: Yeah, so I'm born and raised in Columbus, lived here all my life. Um, My grandfather was the mayor of Westerville, and my mom has run the chamber for You know over two decades and so I grew up in a family where it was required of me and probably in my DNA more than anything um, to always be putting yourself second in your community first and I went to Ohio State. never thought I would go to uh, a place with the same area code um, but fell in love with the university and got deeply engaged there um, independently from my family ties and Had really flourished on campus, met some great um, mentors there within the administration, and they helped uh, make connections for me outside in Columbus. I ironically had an idea one day that I wanted to choreograph a flash mob in the Ohio Union, and... Uh, with no intent of videotaping it or anything, but had a friend who um, collaborated with me and recorded it, and we had about 90-some people do it in the Ohio Union, and it went viral overnight and was... A crazy sensation, mm-hmm. and that allowed me to start a little mini business um, where I was uh, do a flash mob, was what it's called, um, and I helped choreograph uh, flash mobs for everything from like school teachers to cruises to Komen races, um, to horticulture conferences. Um, kind of ra- like rode the wave there for about a year and a half, um, mm-hmm. and one of my jobs was actually to do a rendition of the Ohio State flash mob for the Columbus partnership. And through that, I, uh, we took a, what was a quick flash mob performance to a 30 minute song and dance production with a whole bunch of videos and skits and all types of cool stuff. And from there, I formed a relationship with Alex Fisher, Mm -hmm. um, my current boss. And when he decided he wanted to grow his team, he I was the first one he called and from that's kind of history. And so I've been with the partnership for a little over five and a half years. Mm -hmm. I've been the lead curator on all of our member education programs. So essentially what I do is, uh, or what I have done was learn about trends in cities and in um, economies and industry and develop content with speakers and different writing and uh, different type of program formats to get our members to be inspired to leave their selfish interests at the door, bringing their community interests to the table and to see things and offer their thought leadership towards the betterment of the city. And I've been, I was focused on that role for about four years and was doing community affairs as well. And then have recently transitioned to Smart Columbus. And I'm now full-time dedicated to Smart Columbus while I remain an employee of the partnership. Mm -hmm. Focused on how we engage the corporate community in kind of this mobility transformation um, of the city. So that's great. That's what I do full-time
0: cool cool the last question i tend to ask i don't know that i really need to ask it why do you stay in columbus
1: it's my canvas
0: <laughs> it is my canvas no and that's a fantastic answer <laughs> all right jordan thank you so much for your time
1: thanks Fulton, as always all the nasty sex stuff, Bossa Nova crowd,
2: hello, good to see you guys, it's great to be back, Chicago, I missed you, you guys are great, how are you guys doing? Good, it's been a long time, uh, I haven't been here in three years, been doing a lot of traveling, uh, doing comedy, so it's nice to be back, uh, I was doing uh, comedy in England recently, has anyone here ever been to England? Oh yeah, a couple people have the rest of you heard of england yeah. all right sweet here we go um great country great country uh lots of cultural differences though uh, some of you guys might know uh for example uh, when i went there uh after one of my shows i went up to this british dude. i was like hey man can i uh, bum a cigarette and uh he said uh, here in england we call them fags and i was like whoa okay be careful all right because uh you know back in america that's what we call British people. Come on, USA, USA, USA. That's why they hate us. That's why they hate us. That's why they hate us. I have made it worse. I have made it worse. So be careful. Be good, English. Just doing what I can. Uh, I, live, uh, I live in New York now. Uh, everything Martin said about it is correct. Um, terrible place. Originally from Ohio, though. Uh, well, oh, I got a woo. Hold on, guys. Check it out. This is how you can find Ohio people in any crowd you're in front of at any time. This is what we do. Special thing Ohio people do. Here we go. O-H! Ohio! Boom! We spell our state. That's about it. That's about it. I'm going to say, that's pretty cool though, right? It's like not every state can do that. It's like, uh, good luck with that, Mississippi, all right? <laughs> Need more highs than S is in our state name. Uh, I'm from, uh, from Columbus, Ohio. Uh, it's the capital. Yeah, hold your applause. That's about right. Uh, it's fine. No, look, we're a city named. I always got to explain to people. It's like, yeah, we're a city named for Christopher Columbus. Uh, we have a statue of Christopher Columbus. Uh, we have a replica of the Santa Maria, the boat sailed across the Atlantic Ocean by Christopher Columbus. You want to know who's never been to Ohio? Christopher Columbus. <laughs> right. That guy did not give a shit. He, he uh, he'd never been there, but we love him. We love him so much. We really love him for no reason. It's very nice. Um, it's kinda, I would like to be. It's just because he's like he's super famous. That's the only reason they named it after him, right? It's like. Uh, I don't know. I'd like to have that. Would you like to have a city name for you? Would you like to be Christopher Columbus-level famous? It sounds pretty cool, right? Like, my friends come up to me like, uh, hey, Travis, uh, you know they got a city name for you in Zambia. It's like, oh, wow, Zambia. I've never been there and I've never heard of it. Uh, they're like, yeah, well, they got a statue of uh, you and a replica of you and an Uber. Go say uh, hi. Cause they're really big fans. Uh, you look like a real piece of shit though in the statue. That's fine. No. Uh, here's the other cool thing about Columbus is that uh, I, I recently found out. This is like a newfound reason to be proud to be from Columbus. But uh, are the two other major cities in Ohio, Cleveland and Cincinnati, both have disgusting sex acts named for them? Did you guys know about this? Yeah. I know, I didn't know about this till like a week ago or whatever, but uh, this is all true, right? So like Cleveland, for example, if everybody you might want to put down the meatloaf for this, alright? Uh, yeah, check it out, Cleveland has got a disgusting sex act named after it called the Cleveland Steamer. Yeah, where, which involves two people getting naked, one of them wrapping their chest in saran wrap and the other one squatting over there and taking a dump on their chest. Yeah, I know. And that, is a lot like being in Cleveland. Oh I know, right? It's gonna, well, alright, calm down, it's gonna be alright. But well, no one's gonna do it to you right now, it's fine. Unless of course we have a volunteer. Uh, alright. You might want to cover your ears then for this next one. That's because I got one more to talk about. Um, this, is, this is a Cincinnati bow tie. This is a Cincinnati bow tie. I did not know a Cincinnati bow tie was a thing, but it's also a disgusting sex act, folks. Cover your ears, alright? Um, check it out. Cincinnati bow tie is when uh, you need a man and a woman for this one, so you both get naked. And the man, uh, he's got to have a boner, right? And he uh, proceeds to uh, titty fuck. The girl. He puts his boner in between her boobs, but he does it in reverse, so his butthole is over her face, and his balls are hanging on the nape of her neck, kind of like a bow tie. <laughs> yeah, and of course that is a lot like being in Cleveland. No! Let's say Cleveland twice. All right, here we go.
1: That's
2: fine. All right. <laughs> Speaking of sex stuff, uh, I am recently single, thank you very much, so I will be fucking anything after the show, here we go, here it comes, it's usually a pizza, don't worry, usually um, just out back fucking a pizza, everyone's like, Travis, that's a pizza, I'm like, you know what, she doesn't treat me like shit, so uh, just let me finish, you got a good look at my sex move, by the way, remember that, remember that when you listen to Bossa Nova later, uh, yeah just that um, no it's fine I, uh, it, it, you know, it was a terrible relationship it's, it's okay uh, maybe some of you guys can relate uh, uh, if you want to join in by a round of applause uh, how many people here have ever dated someone who likes to drink Couple people, yeah, absolutely. I think we all have. We all have. Oh, there, there's my ex. That might be my ex. Uh, let's kick it up a notch, guys. Kick it up a notch. Who here has ever dated someone who likes to drink a lot? Yeah. Oh yeah. I believe it. I believe it. Here we go. Kick it up another notch. Who here has ever dated someone who likes to drink so much that it's always time to go home right now? That's it, yeah. There
1: she is,
2: right. <laughs> I think she's the one in the relationship, but that's okay. That's fine. That's okay. No, look. It was, it's, you know, sometimes you just find yourself in a relationship like that. Uh, and it's a bit of a nightmare. It's like, okay, uh, we're here at the party. It's a really great party. Uh, thanks so much for having us. Oh, honey, you go have fun. Uh, yeah. That, what's that? She fell down? Alright, we gotta go. Thanks so much. Thanks so much for having us. I know we just got here, but she's really having a great time. What's that? She threw up on her coat? Oh, she threw up on all the coats. The big pile of coats in the bedroom. Well, thanks for having us. We had a great time. But it's uh, really fun. No, we'll get an Uber. We'll get an Uber. She'll be fun. We'll stick her head out the window. Five stars for that guy. It's gonna be just fun. <laughs> it's okay here's the thing i can't believe i finally had a serious girlfriend uh because uh here's the vibe that i give off is that uh i'm an attractive man but i'm ruining it does that make sense (laughs) does anybody it's like somebody told me this once they're like hey man you kind of look like johnny Depp on crack I was like, All right, thank you. That was a compliment, and then not a compliment. I appreciate that. That's what I get. I get uh, Johnny Depp on crack, uh, James Franco on crack, uh, Colin Farrell on crack, Matt LeBlanc on crack, and Robert Downey Jr. Normal. <laughs> It's crack, that guy. All right. Yeah. Wrote that joke in 1998. What do you think? Holds up pretty good. Okay. Uh, so anyway, yeah. Now it's a goddamn. Now I have to do uh, all these uh, all the dating websites or something. It's single. It's weird. I gotta I gotta be single again. And all my friends like all the dating websites are really just like way too niche now for me, right? Like uh, I was back home in Ohio. Saw a commercial for FarmersOnly.com. What the fuck? What are you talking about? Farmers do not need to fuck other people, okay? That's what the sheep are for. I know, I know, farmers. Feel free to use that one in the office. Um, and then, of course, and then there's uh, then there's the religious ones, right? Christian mingle, right? I'm sure, maybe you guys know. I mean, that's that's adorable, right? <laughs> Christian mingle like come on we all know you guys want a buck. come on that's cute we're gonna mingle no you're gonna buck. you know it you gotta be fruitful and multiply I've read the book um, and then uh, and then oh and then there's J date there's a J date anybody here on a J date any J dates here tonight we got a J date we got a J date we, we got a couple J dates any J dates any J-Dates? that one that's a J date does anyone else know what J date is anybody couple people yeah all right if you don't know J date is a, it's a dating website Jewish singles, yeah, or as they like to be called now, J's. <laughs> gotta respect that, um, and then of course all my, yeah, then all my divorce friends are on Tinder, any Tinder people, oh, hey, yeah. Uh, yeah, that table, I know where I'm gonna be hanging out after the show, here we go, yeah, Tinder's great, Tinder's just, everybody's swiping and fucking all the time on Tinder, oh my god, swipe, fuck, swipe, fuck, it's fantastic. Oh, swipe to the right and all night. Here we go. But check this out. I'm very excited. I am working on my, my own dating app uh, right now. Uh, it is actually a mix of JDate and Tinder. It's called Schindler. And you just go through and save. Don't save. Save. Don't save. Don't save. Hey, happy Hanukkah, everybody.
0: Thank you for listening to the Confluence Cast presented by Columbus Underground. Again, you can get more information on what we discussed today in the show notes for this episode at theconfluencecast.com. Please rate, subscribe, share this episode of the Confluence Cast with your friends, family, contacts, enemies, your favorite flash mobber. If you're interested in sponsoring the Confluence Cast, get in touch with us. We can be reached by email at info at Our theme music was composed by Benji Robinson. I'm your host, Tim Fulton. Have a great week. Thank you.